This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. When I was a kid, there were a lot of rules in my house. One of the most horrific was the very limited amount of television I was allowed to watch. As a result, I read, and I read a lot. I read books, magazines, newspapers, encyclopedias, and comic books. I even borrowed my mother's red book in McCall's and snuck into my father's library to read the steamy sections of The Godfather when I was absolutely sure that no one would catch me. My fascination with books began as soon as I could read, and golden books were my favorite. Then came my introduction to the weekly reader, and there was nothing, nothing I looked forward to more than the moment every week when Mrs. Mayer handed out those glamorous publications. By third grade, I became acquainted with the Scholastic Book Club, and while my folks were stingy with television privileges, they were quite generous with my book allowance. I ordered as many books as I could afford, and when the boxes came in with my name on them, I'd spend a moment gingerly fingering the corrugated brown carton. I'd sit for a minute or two and imagine what was inside, what the books would be like, and of course, how they would look. Part of the universe I entered when I read these books was a visual one. I studied the illustrations and paintings of all of my precious tomes as intently as I read the words, yearning to gain entrance into this two-dimensional galaxy in order to make it my own. After Scholastic came the series books, Nancy Drew, Trixie Belden, and my all-time favorite, The Stories of Ginny and Geneva by Catherine Woolley. These storybooks became mirrors into a different universe, a place where, despite danger or mishaps or misdeeds, Life was always good, the bad guys were always caught, and everyone always lived happily ever after. These worlds were foreign to me, and I constantly put myself into those books, became the characters, lived their challenges, and grew so much richer for the experience. I don't know what happened to all of my books. My family moved around a lot when I was growing up, and since most of the books were paperbacks, I guess they didn't make it from house to house. As a result, for the last several decades, I've been scouring used bookstores, libraries, garage sales, and flea markets for all of the books I read as a child. I'm extremely particular about what I purchase. The golden books must have the gorgeous golden brown metallic foil. The Nancy Drew books must have the hardcover yellow spine and the illustrations in the cover plate. The Ginny books must have the illustrations by Liz Dauber or Iris Beattie Johnston, and the Trixie Trixie books must have the cover illustrations of Larry Frederick. I have been extraordinarily lucky retrieving many of these classics. Nevertheless, there were several books that proved ever so slightly more elusive. One was a book called Dot for Short by Frida Friedman. It was a charming and bittersweet story written in 1947 about an insecure 10-year-old girl who can't wait to grow up. She envies her two gorgeous sisters, Fluff and Peg, who are tall and slender and know how to talk to boys. Her family is having financial difficulties, which she feels powerless to improve. 
Then she sees an ad in a ladies' magazine featuring a contest to write a limerick about why you use Masterpiece Muffin Mix. The prize was $10,000. She, of course, writes a limerick and, well, that's all I'm going to tell you. Needless to say, the entire scenario of the book converged with my life and even my fledgling enchantment with branding. All through the 80s, I not only searched through flea markets and the like for this pesky novel, I also went into every mass market and private bookseller inquiring about the book. Lots of storekeepers were sympathetic and often suggested I order it, optimistically offering that one used bookstore might come across it if a search was initiated. I did that over and over, but to no avail. Then one fine day in 1988, as I was doing my usual perusal in the children's section of a bookstore, there it was, reprinted, fresh and clean and new and mine. I grabbed it, gave my money to the cashier, and with shaking hands, read the entire book out on the street, leaning against a light pole. It was a magnificent, unforgettable experience. I still, to this day, believe that I am single-handedly responsible for Puffin reprinting this book. My library is now nearly complete. Every now and then I remember a book that I read when I was 8 or 11 or 16, and the memory flutters into my head like a yellow butterfly, and then I am inspired to once again start a new search. I love this recreation of sorts, knowing that I am simultaneously rebuilding and recrafting my past and my present and my future, knowing that, like Proust's moment with his Madeleine, that these books ultimately reach the clear surface of my consciousness, this memory, this old dead moment, which the magnetism of an identical moment has traveled so far to importune, to disturb, to rise up out of the depths of my being and bear unflinchingly in the tiny and almost impalpable drop of their essence, the vast structure of recollection. Welcome to the third season of Design Matters. I am so incredibly grateful to have this remarkable forum to talk about so many things I think matter, design, anthropology, the psychology of choice, and how they mark and intersect with culture, lifestyles, rituals, books, brands, love, shame, and the way we define and find meaning in our lives. With me today on our season premiere is a man who has been described in USA Today as the closest thing to a rock star in graphic design today. Before I continue, I want to warn both Chip and our listeners that I have been criticized by a listener who has very publicly written that the introductions of my guests are incredibly fawning to the point where she embarrasses her interview subject. But at least now, you're all forewarned. So listeners, beware. Chip Kidd has created over 1,500 book-covered designs, including works for Brett Easton Ellis, Charles Schultz, Mark Bayer, David Starris, Alex Ross, Frank Miller, Michael Crichton, Cormac McCarthy, and many, many others. His book jackets for Alfred A. Knopf have helped spawn a revolution in the art of American book packaging. Chip has also written about graphic design and popular culture. His first book as author and designer, Batman Collected, was given the Design Distinction Award from ID Magazine. His second book, Batman Animated, garnered two of the comic book industry's Eisner Awards. Chip also designed the acclaimed trilogy Superman the Complete History, Batman the Complete History, and Wonder Woman the Complete History for Chronicle Books. 
He has written a novel, The Cheese Monkeys, which was published by Simon & Schuster in 2001. And 2003, Chip collaborated with writer Art Spiegelman on a biography of the cartoonist Jack Cole, entitled Jack Cole and Plastic Man, Forms Stretched to Their Limits. Finally, a monograph of his work, Chip Kid, Book One, Work, 1986-2006, to was published by Rizzoli just recently. Welcome, Chip. Wow. Yep. Did I embarrass you? I'm exhausted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let's I take am a too. Break. Okay. <laughs> Commercial break coming. <laughs> now, let's, let me start by asking you. Well, actually, I want to ask you about, a, 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 I have a question about your prologue to your book, which I'm going to refer to throughout this interview as book one. Okay. That's um, fine. This is what you say. I did not grow up yearning to become a book designer. What I wanted to be was Chris Partridge on the Partridge family. My first question is, which Chris? Ah, now that's that's a very uh, a very um, partridge nerd head question to ask. <laughs> I'm a partridge nerd head. <laughs> the second one, um, the blonde one. The second one? one? Oh my God! The first one. Um, he, I, he only lasted like one or two episodes. But he was the original. Which? Which? Tell me which Darren you like best. Which Darren? On Bewitched. Um. I, you know, I could go with either of them. I, I did, they didn't, like, really move me one way or the other. Oh, gosh. Okay. Just, you know. Uh, but the first Chris Partridge was Jeremy Gilblox, and yes. he was just a, a very sort of um, homely little thing. And, I thought uh, he was adorable. No, 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 no. You, you probably have him mixed up. The second one was the blonde The blonde one. guy, no. He had wavy hair. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't really like him. Yeah. Why Chris? Why not Danny or Keith? Because I wanted to be a drummer. Oh. Uh, I was obsessed with with playing the drums. And what happened to your musical aspiration? Oh, I played the drums all through college. And so what made you decide to um, leave the music business, so to speak? Um, <clears throat> I had very little talent. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I had to make a decision at some point. I mean, you know, the whole my whole college i was like majoring in graphic design and the, the drums thing was just a, a, a fun hobby a sidebar yeah and um it, it just seemed the graphic design obviously was just a much more viable way to uh, make a living well and, in, a, in a review of your recent cooper union exhibit which obviously coincided with the book release mm-hmm. lance Epsland, the author of the article wrote um, this is part of the review. Um, it is a relentless, densely packed collage of hundreds of book cover designs, mock-ups, and rejects, photographs, comic book imagery, rambling, wall text, and author's letters. His book covers can be simultaneously fascinating, tiresome, and schizophrenic. How do you feel about that quote? I think it's fine. I mean, the fact that, I mean, quite honestly, the fact that they even paid attention to it, I mean, here's... Uh, it's it's funny. Like my my other half actually subscribes to the Sun. Um, it's the New York Sun is is this relatively obscure paper that's you know desperately trying to compete with the Times and the Post and the Daily News. And you know, I think it's well done, but it it smacks of like somebody funding it, and at some point they're just going to get tired of losing money and pull the plug on it. But they were the they they were the paper that that bothered to review the show. So I, was, I was grateful that he made any observation one way or the other. <laughs> but no, I think that's, I think that's a totally fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Even the schizophrenic? Sure. Oh, my. I prefer the term um, pluralistic. Why? 
um, because that's that's what I really really aspire to. Uh, again, I, I think the, the the word diverse has been co opted and by the politically correct, and, and it's a shame because because that's that's the real word to use, which you know a diverse uh, group, uh, diverse ways of of looking at book jackets and and approaches to designing them. So I've I've uh, then moved on to, to pluralism, which is basically. Um, I'd like to think that if somebody hires me to design something, they can't guess ahead of time what it's going to look like. So there, you wouldn't say that there's any specific Chip Kid style other than books being successful. <laughs> books being successful. I mean that that that's not a style. That's that's luck basically. Mm. Um, but that, that's luck combined with with talent and. Well. What? No, I was going to say that uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, we're going to take a break now, Chip, so I want to let everybody know that they're listening to the Season 3 premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the designer and author, Chip Kidd. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. See you soon. Listen wherever you are. 24-hour business and financial news. Solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Tune in to The Competitive Edge is You with Brad Helmer. Every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, The Competitive Edge is You is for professionals who want to improve how they sell to and influence others. Using research data and a wealth of sales coaching experience, Brad and his guests explore the secrets to effective selling, inspiring you to become your own source of competitive advantage. If your success depends on landing a big account, getting approval for a new idea, or competing for the funding on an important project, then you need to listen to The Competitive Edge is You with Brad Helmer. Every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. Grow profit. And grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. You have an invention or idea, and you don't know what to do next. You ever wonder what the differences are with a patent, trademark, or copyright? Remember seeing that million-dollar idea that you came up with a few years earlier, like the Pet Rock, Clapper, Slinky, or the Remote Control Finder? How do I become a millionaire off my genius ideas? Hear answers to these questions on You Invent It, We Protect It, every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your hosts, Attorney Stephen Levitt and Jillian Freed, and their panel of experts and inventors just like you will discuss these questions and many more. So tune in to You Invent It, We Protect It, every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on business.voiceamerica.com. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. 
every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.16 Eastern Time, and you are listening to the Season 3 premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and author, Chip Kidd. If you'd like to join our conversation or if you have a question for Chip, please call. Our lines are open. Before the break, Chip and I were talking about his book, his new book uh, that has just come out, Chip Kidd, Book One, Work, 1986-2006. And Chip, how's the book doing? Well, it all depends on, you know, it's like Clinton saying, what all the depends. The definition of what is is um, it's doing fine, quote unquote, in that um, the first printing sort of like completely shipped out to stores a week before publication, um, which is a frankly kind of not so good thing. Masked as a good thing. Um, cause what do you mean by that? Well, you can say it sold out, but that also basically they kind of lowballed the first printing. So you basically. I went out for like two months and promoted something that essentially didn't exist. So you said there were 11,000 books in the first printing? Yeah. And they all sold out? Yeah. And now it's going back for a second? Well, it went back for a second immediately, like at the end of October. But I I think hopefully the second printing is available now. Now, this is quite large numbers for a graphic design book, I would guess. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Uh, if we did a simultaneous hard soft publication and I don't know how smart that was either but the the, the the price point of the thing always terrified me why you felt it was too expensive yeah it's way too expensive now um, have you made any money doing having printed this book and having having had the book published um, no that's, that's a, it's a good question and there's a complicated answer I mean I I did get a, a, an advance for the book um, no, I read somewhere that no, actually I read that you got a six-figure advance for Cheese Monkeys. That's for Cheese Monkeys, yes, that okay. actually is true. But believe, for this book, believe it or else, this was substantially <laughs> lower than that. Um, barely five figures, I guess. Um, How come? It's like the lowest five-figure advance you could possibly get. So that'll, that'll tell you okay. what it is. And and basically, I took every penny of that and put it back into the book itself and. If you got a six-figure advance for Cheese Monkeys, why did why did the advance for this book pale in comparison? Oh my God, they're com- two completely different things. Okay, um, you know, a novel. Well, educate me and our our listeners. Okay, well, the novel, you know, that's a novel is a novel, and and it's you know modest size, and and it's just text, you know, and and print on paper, and I think the price point was something like twenty three or twenty four bucks, you know, and mm-hmm. they. Um, you know they were banking on it to to sell in in substantial numbers and and the 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 monograph is a whole other different kind of thing it's it's a uh, it's um you know it's it's full color and 400 pages and 9 by 12 and the whole bit it's kind of like comparing uh 
um, you know, an Izod shirt to a couture dress. You okay. Know, you're mm-hmm. going to make a lot more of the one than you are the other. Although one would say that the couture dress margins are a lot higher. But we have two callers on the line, so let's let them ask you some oh, questions. Okay. Yeah, we have Gregory first and then Steve. Gregory, welcome to Design Matters. Thank you for Hi. calling. Thanks. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Chip. Hey there. Um, I collect juvenile series fiction, and I have probably for almost 30 years. And one of the things that I, I suppose compelled me, aside from just loving to read the stories, is the jacket art. And did did you were you inspired by jacket art as a child, or did you read juvenile series fiction like The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and stuff like that? Um, I was more of a comic book guy, so I was influenced by you know Batman and Detective Comics and The Brave and the Bold. Um, I just what uh, the Hardy Boys just didn't do it enough for me. <laughs> I think because once you read like a really kicking Batman story, when you go back to these two kids who were trying to figure out why the lighthouse is on when nobody's supposed to be in it. I just didn't really... <laughs> oh, I find that incredibly compelling. No, no, no. I just, just did not... just didn't interest me. But, well, then on, on the Batman thing, do the latter-day Batmans compare to Adam West and Burt Ward or not? Because I had a big crush on Burt Ward, so... <laughs> <laughs> they compare, but, it, but you know, uh, compare is a comparative word. You know, it uh, the, the, the Adam West, Burt Ward show had a lot going for it in its own way but as as a kid I wanted to, I wanted to take Batman seriously and I took that show seriously but then when you grow up a little bit and you realize it was like a, all a great big goof um you, this is kind of like resentment uh oh. you know comes in and and who besides Batman did you read in comics oh uh, all of it I mean well I was a DC kid um you know, hardcore mainstream comics nerds can usually be divided into DC or Marvel people. It's kind of like Republicans and Democrats. Um, and so I was a DC guy, and I would read the Marvel titles, but I would just read them with skepticism. And um, the difference at that time, we're talking the late 60s up through the 70s, is the Marvel stories were more like soap operas in that they never you never caught one at the beginning and you never caught one at the end. You were always somewhere in the middle, and I hated that. That made me feel like it was a country club that I wasn't allowed to be a member of, whereas most of the DC stories were either kept to one issue or two or three at the most. So you, you felt like you could get the whole thing. Wow. Um, well, one one last a, question. Do you, do you miss newsprint uh, comics, you know, the, yeah, the newsprint I, paper. I do. I, I, I do. remember when the quote better paper was starting to be used, and wrong, that was like wrong. so exciting. Right. And now I just long for it all to be on like the shittiest newsprint. Right. And, and the smell. smell just had that smell. Yeah. I know. Thanks a lot, Chip. I sure. It. Debbie, Thanks I love you. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling, Gregory. We right. have another caller, Steve. Welcome to Design Matters. Thank you for calling. Uh, thank you. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Chip. Hey. I should I should start off letting you know that I was a Marvel kid. Wow. Um, I thought it was cool that it was a world that I was just entering and had to get to know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, we'll uh, let you I, talk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two questions for you. First off, is there anyone that you haven't written for that you would love to or drawn for? Uh, any other characters that you haven't gotten a chance to? And also, I wanted to know if you were influenced at all by any Japanese or anime comics. Um, well, I'm tremendously, I'll go backwards, I'm tremendously influenced by a certain kind of Japanese visual sensibility, which I think um, I've brought to several projects with the Batman collected among them, like the the, the, um, 
the motif of repetition sort of like down the side, which which uh, evokes a sort of like mass production, um, mm-hmm. which somehow I see as a real sort of Japanese thing. Um, you know, I the, the thing with the anime and the Japanese comics is I I feel like a novice about a lot of it, but there's there's certain you know there's so much of it and i i know so little but the stuff that i know and like i really really like a lot like right. um uh well in the comics i've been designing this buddha series by asama tetsuka which is really amazing um and in terms of anime i i love the stuff that i grew up with the the, the astro boy and there was this guy named eighth man and um Kimba the White Lion, and now, you know, like everything else, this, this all the surfaces on DVD, whether it's, you know, like official or bootleg, and, mm. and, uh, a lot of it's really weirdly beautiful and, and, uh, uh very beautifully designed. Right. Um, in terms of writing characters, um, I'm, I'm talking with DC about doing some comics projects where I, I would be writing, um, and right now, that's that's limited to like Batman and and maybe Batman, Superman, and Robin together in 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 one story. But we're at those very early stages of of development. It'll probably be quite some time before anything uh, emerges from that. Okay. Is there anyone else that you wanted to draw for? Any other characters that you really loved but just haven't gotten the chance to draw for yet? <clears throat> um. Not not really right now. I mean, I there's there's um. A character that I'm trying to develop with this guy, Tony Millionaire. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know his work. He does a strip called Maki's, and we've been talking about it back and forth for a couple of years now. And um, But that would be an original character that, w- that we would own. But, okay. Uh, yep. Oh, okay, thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Thank you for calling, Steve. Um, you, you also said in an interview, you said, I am a sucker for the false promises of comic books. What does that mean? God, I thought that... Self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you know, it, it, it's what you were saying in the introduction, and in that, in that way, comics have changed a lot. At least mainstream superhero stuff has, has changed a lot. You know, you know, you basically knew that no matter what, that Batman was going to win, and the Joker would get caught, and mm. and, and happiness that, always, yes, yeah, that that kind of thing. And and nowadays, they bend over backwards to um, to give you the the, the opposite feeling. Um, which was which was one of the virtues of, of Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns when that came out in the mid '80s. In that they, uh, without boring you with the details, Miller took everything out of what's called continuity, so all bets were off, and you didn't know if, if and and you know the Joker died in issue three. It was like whoa, you know, yeah. and because he had the skill to pull it off, both in the writing and, and the drawing, it. It was like a sucker punch in the gut to me. I mean, I was in college at the time, but still, it was just like, wow. Oh, I was I was absolutely gutted when Bruce Willis's character was killed off in Sin City. I mean, I was sad. Yeah, but by then, you know, like, right, I know, Sin City I know. takes on its own kind of dynamic uh, because the way Miller does it. I mean, you don't. He could do a story. He could conceivably come out with a story next year about that character only earlier in his life. Right. You know, so the, yeah. it, it, he plays with it that way, which is interesting. I also know you have a fascination with the Peanuts. Who's your favorite character? Who's my favorite character? Oh, God. I don't know. I didn't really think about it that way. I, You know, Linus is great. 
I guess I guess I identified the most with Linus because he always had like a smart, snappy comeback to everything, mm-hmm. um, which is how I wanted to envision myself. Did you ever fantasize about the private lives of the peanuts? <laughs> no, I just thought it was weird that you never saw the adults. Wah, wah, wah. And then that in the cartoons, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's like the castaways on Gilligan's Island never getting off the island. Yeah, I have one I didn't like qu- that either. Uh, oh, really? Oh, no. yeah, I was, I, I kind of did like that. I think I they all belong there. Tremendously anxiety producing. <laughs> yes, it was. I have one more question for you before our next break. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fascinated by the image in book one of, of the back of your high school notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Chip, mm-hmm. Ario Speedwagon. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ario Speedwagon. Hey, you know, I've, I was a suburban kid in, you know, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. In 1978, you know, what was I supposed to do? I had my musical conversion in 10th grade when really bad kid friends of mine turned me on to um, The Clash and, and The Gang of Four. Okay. I, I actually embroidered Yes's logo on a pair of jeans and wore them, like, into my mid-20s until I got too fat to keep wearing them, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> so yes became no, then. Exactly. Well, we're going to have to take another break. I'd like to let everyone know that they're listening to the Season 3 premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman, and my fabulous guest today is designer and author Chip Kidd. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so don't go anywhere. Thank you. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Tune into Small Business Trends Radio with Anita Campbell every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Each week, Anita and expert guests provide a big picture view of the small business market, identifying the trends and major events driving the robust growth of the small business market. Whether you are a small business owner or a company of any size desiring to sell small businesses or reach the small business market with a product or service, Small Business Trends Radio is your resource for trends that influence the global small business market. Right here on the Bottom line for business talk, Voice America Business. Achieve total wealth management. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern on Business America Radio. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a values-based approach to comprehensive total wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road of financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, businessamericaradio.com. Are you looking for a unique perspective on today's market from an experienced economist? Well, look no further. Listen to The Economic Contrarian with host Mike Norman every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Business America Radio. Mike and his guests will discuss new trends in the marketplace as well as emerging companies and opportunities. So if you want in-depth analysis from a contrarian point of view, don't miss The Economic Contrarian Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time right here on BusinessAmericaRadio.com. 
Mind Your Business with Danielle Hampson talks about the nuts and bolts of starting, running, and expanding the business. From time management, leadership, sales, marketing, and customer service to office management, using technology, business plans, accounting, taxes, and networking. Danielle and her expert guests share their years of experience on a variety of topics. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel for Mind Your Business with Danielle Hampson. Useful tips, authoritative advice, creative solutions. Right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. The Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Live from the Empire State Building, you're listening to the Season 3 premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the air focusing on issues relating to graphic design, branding, and culture. I am Debbie Millman, your host, and my guest today is the swanky Chip Kid. If you want to join our conversation or if you have a question for Chip, now's your chance. 1-866-233-7861. Chip, I want to join us. Yes. Like a hot tub. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Let people fantasize about us in a hot tub. Um, Talk to us about meeting your partner, J.D. McClatchy. Um, were you mad that the New York Times misspelled his name in the article written about the two of you last year? I wasn't mad. I was just, the, the deep irony was that article, for people who haven't seen it, which I'm sure is the majority of the population of the world, it, it was, but it was a very nice article, and it was in their, what they call their house and home section, which is their, every Thursday they, they focus on, on, uh, you know, interiors and furniture and design and that kind of stuff. And so they came and they did, quote unquote, my apartment in, in New York, and it, and, you know, first of all, I mean, it's a very nice apartment, and I love it, and I'm very proud of it, and I designed it all myself, but it's, you know, it's a modest-sized one-bedroom, and it has a, but it does have a large terrace outside, and, and the guy came, and they spent seven hours photographing it, um, wow. which was, and I was like, fine, you know, better for you to, like, do too much than not enough, and then, then two or three days before it was going to run, they called me up frantic and said, you know what? We forgot to photograph you. Oh, gosh. So then they had to send another pho- photographer at the last minute to shoot this picture of me, and he came a half an hour early. He was supposed to come at 9, and, he, and the, the doorbell rings at 8.30. And anybody who knows me knows, like, I'm, I'm like, still dead. There is, you know, God does not exist before, like, 10 for me. So I, I opened the door, and I haven't washed and I haven't shaved, and, and there's this photographer in the doorway, and he says, um, Hey, I'm here to photograph you. And I said, look, you know, you're a half an hour early. You come in. I'll make you a cup of coffee. But I haven't showered or shaved or anything. And he, and he looked at me and said, it's perfect. You look perfect. And I'm thinking, oh, great. So now, you know, my face is going to go in the New York Times. I'm going to look like, you know, the, the police blotter or something. Anyway, so I acquiesced and I let him do his thing. But the, but the, um, the fact-checking and all the fact-checking was about you know, where did you get that mirror, when did you get it, and how much did you pay? You know, I actually was impressed with how diligent all those facts were. And, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I was brought up to be really discreet about everything. Like, it was like how much you paid for your house was, like, sacred. I remember my mother saying, you know, like, if any of your friends ever ask you, you cannot tell them. 
you know. So I, I don't know. I had this instilled in me that, you know, you simply don't ask people what they paid for things. And here, they, <laughs> in this thing, like, like they did, they, they itemized the whole thing, like the rugs and the chairs and the, the blah, 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 blah. So I just thought, all right, you know, it's just fine. You know, should I give you my test results, too, from my, you know, colonoscopy? And the one thing that they never bothered to ask was how to spell my boyfriend's name. And it's not like he's unknown. I mean, he's, you know, uh, he's a he's a fairly well-known writer and poet. Yeah, well, tell our listeners. I mean, I'm obviously aware of, of how well-known he is. Um, well, his name is J.D. McClatchy, and, uh, which is, you know, a... Some, not the easiest name in the world to, you know, pronounce and spell and all that, but he's, you know, he's, he edits the Yale Review, which he's done for 15 years. He's head of the creative writing department at Yale. He's published many books of poetry. He was a finalist for the 2004 Pulitzer. And, you know, he, he's, anyway, it's just kind of funny. And How anyway, did you meet, by the way? We met at a party at Knopf in the, in November of, 1995, and it was in honor of a book of um, the complete short stories of Nabokov, which I had art directed the jacket of, and Sandy had helped uh, Nabokov's nephew, Dmitri, work out the uh, permissions. So, um, I mean, and this was like an age ago. This is back way before um, Bertelsmann owned Random House. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was... You will see a stranger across a crowded room. Love it first night? Um, no, we loathed each other. It was like, you know, the first reel of a Tracy Hepburn picture where, you know, uh, she's his new boss or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, of course, they end up in the, in the last reel of you know, strolling off together. But, now uh, he's ten years older than you. Uh, 19, darling. Oh, God, I got my facts wrong. Mm. Um, now, in, in in an article that I read about the two of you, Sandy, who is JD, so people know that we're talking about the same person, mm -hmm. uh, talks about the wariness of falling in love at an older age. Mm -hmm. Did you experience wariness as well? Uh, the only thing I was wary of was the fact that I was in a relationship at the time, and uh, but it was kind of, it was going south at it, as it was wont to do every several months, so... I mean, that's a whole other story that I won't get into here, but it, it just, it's that kind of, it was also the kind of thing where, in a lot of ways, Sandy isn't my type, like in the most superficial ways. Like, I didn't really go in for beards or mustaches or anything like that. Mm -hmm. and, and Deal breakers, yep. Yes, but you get over that kind of stuff pretty quickly if you if you recognize that this person is right for you, you know, and uh, like, all right, so it scratches a little bit, but. You get over it. Um, yeah. Chip, we have a caller on the line, Brody from Manhattan. Thank you for calling Design Matters. Hey, how's it going? Hey, all right. Um, yeah, I was just uh, going to ask, uh, checking out the Cheese Monkeys book, I noticed that there was a credit to uh, Chris Ware for doing, mm -hmm. I think it was some typography work at the at the beginning pages of the novel. And, well, uh, also, he, he worked on the cover. I mean, he did all the hand lettering on the cover, and he and for the paperback, he, well, and for underneath the hardcover, on, on, underneath the jacket, he did the, these little drawing paintings of the rebus of the cheese and then of the monkeys. Oh, okay. I haven't I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Well, he um, actually, uh, Chris and, and Chip have quite a, a very deep and long collaboration, as you have had with Barbara DeWilde and a number of really incredible designers. 
You, you tend to yeah. like to collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. Did he get to ask his question? But well, was, that's basically my question. I was just going to inquire as to like kind of what what the relationship is there with you Between and, he and, and I? Chris, and kind of going back into the uh, you know the the interesting comic books, him being one of the. Uh, Definitely one of the uh, forefront people on on the comic scene these days. Yeah. Graphic novel scene, I guess, if we'll call it that. Um, we're very, very good friends. Uh-huh. I uh, um, this is ex- it's explained a lot more succinctly in the book one monograph. But basically, I had seen his stuff in Raw. Uh, Art Spiegelman published him in Raw when it went down to digest size, and it was a story called I Guess, and I just thought it was brilliant, but I didn't really pay attention to who had done it. I just recognized it as a really great, great use of the comics form. So I didn't really pursue finding out who it was or anything like that. And then when Chris published his own comic book, I saw it in a comic store and was completely blown away by it. But again, I didn't know who had done it. And I didn't put two and two together that it was the same person. But I, but this time I ferreted it out, or ferreted him out and called him in Chicago. And it was basically just a cold call. And I said, Hi, this is who I am, and I think you're great. Oh, wow. And, and at the time, I think it was the summer of 94, um, I was asked to do, an, to do a talk at the Art Directors Club in New York, and as part of that, they allow you to design your own invitation. So I did it with him. Um, huh. And, you know, I gave him a bunch of copy, but then he came up with all these other really great, you know, elements of it. And, you know, we've been great friends ever since. Wow. Do you, um, in regards to these interests in working with some other comics and this, you know, obviously with the interest in DC-based comics, I mean, mm-hmm. do you have any interest in doing any kind of uh, more independent and stuff that gets away from the uh, superhero themes? Well, I, you know, when it comes to comics, I feel like I, I have these, I'm right-brained and left-brained. Um, you know, the right brain, I suppose, is all the mainstream superhero stuff, which I, I love just from being a kid. And then... Sure. You know, the left-brained is the, the the comics that I now publish at, at Pantheon, which are, you know, Chris Ware and, and Dan Klaus and, and Charles Burns and um, and uh, Kim Deitch. So I I have a deep appreciation of, of both genres, if you will, um, if they're done well. And so I don't... I forget what your question actually was, but I, but I, yes, I have a tremendous interest in, uh, in, in the, you know, the wave of cartoonists that have come to the fore uh, in the last, you know, five six years. Was your question answered? I think my question was answered. <laughs> there was a question in there that was definitely answered. Um, I have one more question for you, Chip, before we go to break. Oh, God, um, I know that it goes so fast. In the New York Post, uh, you told Augustine Burroughs that your turnoffs were animals, children, trees, religion, bleeding, psoriasis, boils, Republicans, Martha Ray, broccoli, cancer, unicorns, people's pets, the war in Iraq, mildew, cell phones, open sores, and babies. Mm-hmm. Pets? Really? <laughs> You're never coming to my house. <laughs> I think the um, the operative phrase there should have been, or I thought, what well, other people's pets. The whole idea of of fetishizing um, an animal to the point where they become, um, where it just becomes unnatural. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> and I don't know how much you want me to go into that. Oh, well, I, I, oh God, I just got a terrible visual. Um, no, I, I'm, let's, let's leave it at that and, and let's let everybody know that they're listening to the season three premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am Debbie Millman and my guest today is the provocative and maybe kind of weird Chip Kid, but that we like that weird. Thank uh, you. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. Get dialed in. 1-866-233-7861. Up to the minute business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. The challenge of change comes as ramped up due to the advent of information age and the interconnectedness of global community. In a high-tech world, the ability to embrace change, adapt, and respond accordingly is key to personal and professional success. Talking Change with Ann Powers, airing every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, explores the hows, whys, and what to do's when faced with change. Embrace the new reality, adopt transition into your personal power portfolio, and tune into Talking Change with Ann Powers every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time Right here on the Bottom Line Business Talk, Voice America Business. Everybody needs money. Everybody wants money. We spend our lives in our pursuit and expenditure, building our families and communities around its requirements. Yet few of us understand it. Tune into Money Speak every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Your host, Dick Wagner, will talk about how money is in our lives as well as how we can learn to function effectively with it. So listen to Money Speak every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific because money is too serious to take too seriously. It rains, it rains. Pennies from heaven. Bleeding profits, rupturing customer service. These business diseases can not only cripple a company, but kill it. On Business Diseases, Cure Them or Die with Dr. Tom Rogers and Jim Bellis. These symptoms of a sick business are exposed, diagnosed, and effective treatments and vaccinations are offered. Tune in to Business Diseases, Cure Them or Die, every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America Business to eliminate diseases contaminating your business and promote healthy, profitable growth. You work hard, and you need to take time to relax and rejuvenate yourself. Travel is one of the most effective and gratifying ways to achieve this. Tune into Travel Connections with Judy every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Judy Jackson, will teach you how you can enhance your lifestyle through travel. Travel Connections will also bring you the latest news on what's hot and exciting in vacation and travel trends. So tune in to Travel Connections with Judy every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.46 Eastern Time, and you are listening to the Season 3 premiere of Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is the very debonair Chip Kidd. If you'd like to join us for this last part of our conversation, please do. The lines are open. Um, Chip, I wanted to ask you about something that Veronique Vian wrote 
in the book about you uh, mm-hmm. that she put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that you represent an odd phenomena, an employee who gets more publicity than his employer. Do you think that's true? No, I, I frankly don't. I mean, I think she was trying to be nice, but um, Knopf in general um, gets a... They're, they, our publicity department is incredible. It's it's headed by this guy named um, Paul Bogards, and they do a phenomenal job of getting the books reviewed, getting them into the media. Um, I think the, the best example this past fall was was the job they did with the Joan Didion um, memoir mm-hmm. of of her husband's death. I mean, um, I you know, but you know, I get. I get publicity, but I think overall, um, you know, Knopf gets a lot more, as well they should. Mm-hmm. A number of authors, though, I know that uh, they now stipulate in their contracts that you be the designer assigned to the cover of their book. Um, is that true? It's true to a certain extent. I mean, uh, Oliver Sacks used to get it written into the contract, but it's, it's more a matter of um, somebody you know, seeing something that I'd done and really liking it and then either telling their agent or telling the art director or whatever, you know, I really would like him to work on this or that. I think I think the danger is um, because I've been associated with so many titles that have sold really well is there's this belief that if I work on somebody's books, no matter what I do for them, that the book will become a hit. Mm-hmm. And that's just not 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 a given. I mean, the Cheese Monkeys did all right, but it wasn't like a huge breakout breakout bestseller. And so there's my you know there's my prime example. Like if I can't do it for myself, there's no guarantee I can do it for you, whoever yeah. you are. Well, in book one, you described an experience. Actually, Augustine Burroughs describes the exchange. Um, it was overheard in an airport bookstore about the paperback version of his memoir, Dry. Mm-hmm. And the book chronicles his experiences with alcoholism and his recovery. And you designed a cover, and the type was soaked so that it bled in rivulets down the front cover. That was what it looked like. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Burroughs writes that a woman picked up the book. It was the only copy in the store. She brought it up to the clerk, and she asked if she could have another copy of the book because she thought that that one had looked like it had gotten all wet. And then the clerk replied, no, I'm sorry, all of them are wet like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how do you deal with the sort of mass mentality of things like that happening? Well, that's something that I don't have to deal with. I mean, I don't have to deal with somebody in a bookstore reacting to something that I've done. Right, um, but obviously, I mean, with Sunny Mater no longer there, you still you have people that aren't as forward-thinking, um, as, as willing to take chances, do risky things. I have to say, whoa, whoa, whoa here. Uh, Sunny Mater is very much with us <laughs> and very much with Knopf. Well, is your relationship with him as strong as it was? Are you still doing the same kind of collaborative work with him? Sure. Then why did I think that? Okay, in any case, um, well, tell us about that relationship then. Well, uh, he's he's tremendously... I, I liken... Oh, God, there's this adage, and I mentioned this in the book, that good clients make good graphic design. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the bottom line. If I can sit here and do wonderful things all day, but if, if Sonny doesn't approve them or, or more accurately fight for them, you know, with the sales force or the marketing department or whatever, 
it just doesn't matter. Oh, I was thinking about Gish. I'm sorry, Gordon Lish, rather. Oh, Gordon, uh, Gordon Lish. Lish being gone. Yes, that's what I'm thinking about, not Sonny Mater. I'm yeah, thinking about Gordon Lish and all the sort of wonderful opportunities he gave you. I knew this. I was like going back into my head thinking, I knew that the person he worked with is no longer there. It's Gordon Lish. Yeah. Um, Gordon's a whole other story. I mean, Gordon, uh, but it's the same principle. You know, he, he had the, he, he was very much trying to foster this school of writing, if you will, that, you know, each book was more outrageous than the last, and, and he wanted jackets that, that followed suit. And, and uh, I think what ultimately, uh, and then he ultimately was, you know, let go. And I think the, the, the problem there is that the, the books just weren't selling. And at some point, you have to become responsible for, for that not to be the case. I mean, you, I, I have to keep an eye on what we're doing with the, the graphic novels. I mean, you know, they're, they're great, but they ultimately have to uh, make money and, you know, at least not lose money. And in, and in that sense, we're, we're doing fine, uh, very successful. But, um, but he was great. And, uh, yeah, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the early stuff that got a lot of attention, both in the design competitions and in the media, was were books for Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that Mr. Burroughs uh, asked you for your advice that was then written about in the book um, is uh, advice for prospective designers, and you suggested that designers need to grow a thick skin. Do you think you have a thick skin? Um, yes, I do. Uh, and, and again, that's part of what the Cheese Monkeys is about. I, w- I always reacted very well to criticism. I didn't want to hear about how great something I did was. I want to hear about my weaknesses and how I can um, and improve them. And that's the kind of, the, the teacher that, that we had at Penn State, this guy Lanny Samis, was a real ball buster. And I liked that. That's what I wanted. I didn't want somebody to pat me on the head and tell me what a nice job I was doing. I wanted somebody to, like, say, you know, okay, the image is fine. Now, why does the type look like shit? Mm-hmm. Now, were you always like that? Did you have to sort of grow a thick skin? Was that something that... Yeah, I w- I, and getting back to the whole drum thing, um, I, I played in the marching band in junior high and high school and then at Penn State, and... In, in their own way, in all three of those institutions, it was kind of taken seriously. Like we competed, you know, it was like a sport. And um, and I, again, I they were they were very tough on us. It was like a miniature version of being in the military, and you had to stand straight and look straight ahead and hold your hand at just the right place in order to get the best sound. And ba 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 ba. And and I liked that. I, I liked being. Um, you know, being driven to to work harder as opposed to being complacent with with you know where you are. Well, thank you. That's I think good advice for prospective designers and older designers, like many many of the people listening. Um, Even better advice would be to tell them to send me money. <laughs> so, has uh, so the book project uh, given you new uh, assignments that you might not have otherwise have gotten? Well, you know that, that that's funny. I did not I did not endeavor to publish the book for that reason, and yet um, there are several good sized commissions that have come along as a result of it. 
Um, and I hate to talk about things before they're a done deal, but the first one just became a done deal, and it's a it's a Broadway poster for a play that Julia Roberts is going to be starring. Oh, how fabulous! And uh, the, the nice thing about it is that she decided that she wanted to do a play, but that she was going to do it for twelve weeks only. That's it. What's the name of the play? It's called Three Days of Rain by Richard Greenberg, and so basically. They're going to run this ad, and all they have to do is spell her name right and have a phone number, and the, and the tickets will sell out instantly. It's a great play, by the way. It's about it's about architecture. Wonderful. Uh, and it turned, but it turns it into a really compelling sort of drama, and and so you know, I don't have to worry. About, I didn't have to worry about this this poster being able to like run long, as they say. Mm-hmm. It just has to be like a compelling image, and, and that will get you to sort of like perk up and pay attention. And, and plus, the fact she didn't want to be seen in it. Right. She didn't want to be seen. It's not like a movie poster for one of her movies where her head has to be like the whole thing. Well, has she lost all the pregnancy weight? I I don't know. <laughs> I intend to find out. <laughs> Catty question. Um, okay. Well, before we go, I wanted to just do a quick pop culture quiz, and this is the part of the broadcast where I ask my guest just a few questions about things that are going on right now, or things that I want to know what they think of. Mm-hmm. So, who played the best silver screen Batman? Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, or Christian Bale? Oh, Christian Bale, without a question. Without a question. Without a question. The, the problem with that wasn't Christian Bale, it was the costume. And, and why they are so dead set on not making the costume look like the comics, I don't know. But the, they just aren't, and it, it, it still takes it away from me. But, but he was great. Otherwise, he was perfect. Um, what makes you cringe? What makes me cringe? Oh, God. Well, just Pat Robertson today. Oh, God. suggested that, oh, that yeah. fucking Ariel Sharon was sick because God, that's what God wanted. I... I that guy should be shot. Yep, absolutely. Hate him, hate him, hate him. When was the last time you yelled at someone? I can't remember. <laughs> What's the name of the per- first person you kissed? Oh, God. What was his name? I think it was Father Benjamin. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he, in this great. Sh- he had great hands. <laughs> do you sing in the shower? Uh, do I sing in the shower? Only duets. Okay, and uh, who do you think is the sexiest person alive? Wow. Well, unless I say my boyfriend. Um, aside, I'm gonna, aside from Sandy. I'm going to lose my inheritance. Um, <laughs> oh, the sexiest person alive. It's either Edward Asner or Lyle Wagner. Oh, okay. Well, Chip, listeners, we've come to the end of the first show of our third season. I'd like to thank the magnificent Chip Kid for joining me today. Well, thank you. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. And I want our listeners to know that Chip told me at the very beginning of the show that he'd be working throughout the entire show. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to let uh, people know what you're doing. Uh, (laughs) I'm doing uh, the new book jacket for David Remnick, and it's a collection of his reportage pieces for The New Yorker. Well, I'd also like to thank Ruben Cologne, Brian Travis, Lisa Grant, and Simon and my partners at Sterling. Please join me next week with my very special guest, Rick Valicenti. Mm-hmm. Until then, please remember, we can talk about making a difference, or we can make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Milliman, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.